The Dane and Derek Show is an uncensored, unfiltered podcast. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Hello and welcome to the Dane and Derek Show, a podcast where two nerdy friends attempt to keep in touch and shoot the shit. I'm Derek Aiello, a writer, director, and occasional D&D player, and with me, as always, is my buddy, the one and only, Dane Fogdell. Hey, I'm Dane. I'm writer, musician, podcaster, and a lover of tabletop RPGs. As previously discussed in last week's episode, uh, we realized that we could do an entire episode dedicated to character sheets, and we are following through on that promise. Um, But before we dig into the meat of it, Dane, what is your favorite part of the character sheet from from 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons? Okay, specifically from 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Specifically, yeah. Specifically. Um hmm. Okay. I don't know if this is on every single So there's like four versions of the D&D 5e character sheet um that's on their website. But one of them, my personal favorite has under the stats two boxes. Uh one small box and one big box and I adore that because what I learned is put the big number in the little box and put the bonus like the plus three or the minus one or whatever in the bigger box because you're going to be using it seven million times more frequently. Um, And so literally doing it that way to like make the big number smaller since you very rarely actually use that number uh, felt like a really good move, honestly. So I think that's my favorite part about it outside of like, I really enjoy, always have enjoyed the experience points section because I love leveling up. It's very fun. So also in the many variations of the character sheet, I believe this is on the first alternative character sheet, they have these skills organized by which stat affects them. Oh, that's awesome. And I think that's my favorite because for new players, especially if you do your trick of putting the bi- the small number in the big box... And then you give them a character sheet where you have like acrobatic sleight of hand and stealth next to dexterity. It really reinforces, oh, I get a plus three to dexterity, you know, to acrobatic sleight of hand and stealth. And it like, it saves you time from searching and it, and it kind of shows you like what skills affect what. And I think it's a really great way to teach people about the skills and the stats and all that. So I agree. That's pretty good. Just real quick, small, small, small tangent, because there's just going to be a million of these. How do you feel about the big number and the bonus as like stats? Uh, you know, I feel like it's a real holdover from the original game. Yeah, yeah. Like having like a 16 and a plus three, like mo- a ton of games I play these days are they just give you like you, your strength score is a plus three. Yeah, I, I like Monster of the Week system or, or Dungeon World system where you have like a couple of stats and you can assign a plus, I think it's a plus three, a plus one, a plus two, a zero, and then a like a minus one or something. Yeah. Or yeah, something like that. Like like you have like some, you know, some various numbers that you assign. I like that kind of a system a lot better because it's less numbers to memorize. Yes, it doesn't give you the funness of like having an eight intelligence and a 20 strength. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you're never going to use that number 20 (laughs) unless you use like one of the very specific feats that's like use your strength score instead of your strength modifier. And usually 
you never ever get a chance to use that so yeah i will say in for dungeon world dungeon world is the only game that i kind of like advocate for that big number uh because they actually make use of the big number um does dungeon world have a big number yeah so they do the traditional hold over dnd thing where it's like you get a 16 and that's a plus two dungeon world's numbers are lower whatever um but the interesting thing is your hit points are determined by your overall strength or constitution score is like the biggest example so you like if you're a fighter you get 10 plus your constitution score that's the big number worth of hit points um Mm. and like for haggling they don't actually usually make you do charisma score they basically just let you minus your total charisma from the cost of anything um oh interesting yeah so it it like and like the number of items you can carry is just like your big strength number um Mm -hmm. so they use both and i find that actually really interesting and really smart but uh yeah Yeah. it's okay it's the only time i've ever seen it used even close to well and i still don't think they use it enough such that i actually kind of think monster week is still better overall for like player understanding but yeah well because yeah and also but i mean monster of the week also has less stats um true you know but at the same time it doesn't necessarily mean you need all the stats you have on the character sheet because i don't know about you but i find that intelligence and wisdom are very arbitrary in terms of player understanding versus character understanding mm-hmm. um unless you're playing with a really 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 great group of role players usually people play at whatever intelligence level they possess in real life <laughs> yeah you know like it's 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 a lot easier to play a dumb character but to play a character with hyper intelligence can be really difficult and really that's what's part of the reason why i don't really play wizards is because i'm always like, I don't know if I am actually in real life smart enough to play a character that is that smart. And that's sort of where I think, I know that that's been something that stops me from playing like a wizard. Um, Interesting. Which I think is, you know, completely arbitrary and not exactly a real reason to stop me. But I do worry sometimes that like, say on the grand scheme of like intelligence, I'm like a 12 and my wizard has an 18. Right. I, I don't know if I can live up to that or if I would play it as smart as this wizard might play. And I think that that's sort of like super into the role play aspect of it, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is eh, up for debate. I will say two things on that. I kind of tend to have like the reverse problem. I tend to play pretty strategically. Um, mm. And I feel weird when I'm playing like, like a big old barbarian who's just supposed to just run into a combat and I'm like, but no, I would let, I want to let the rogue hit first. So they get their assassin sneak attack. Right. But, um, you know, those sorts of things. So I've been, I've been encouraged in the opposite way because I, I feel it hand, hemmed in by playing, by my desire to play strategically. Um, which interestingly, the character I've been playing longest this year, she has had, she started off with a really low wisdom and a really not in an average intelligence. Um, like she's like super opposed to a lot of what I play traditionally. Um, and I've had to catch myself RP wise and it'd be like, I'm like aloft wouldn't know that word. Um, and like, have to like walk back some things I've said and it's been really fun. Actually, it's been really, really fun, but it's taken a lot of effort to be sure, to be sure. 
Um, but the one thing I will say is that's where kind of like the mechanics come in, you know, where it's like, if done well, like in Dungeon World, because I'll, I'll just keep using that example for now, uh, you will tend to roll and take actions that you're good at, right? Um, so in Dungeon World, if you have a high intelligence, you're going to be spouting lore a lot, which means the Dungeon Master is going to be telling you and your character all of this extra information that the other players aren't going to get, you know? And I think that's a way you can kind of get around it in a way, but it's it's not perfect, and it's very interesting, and it kind of comes back to like these moments where it's like, it's really hard to just assign a number to people's like abilities. Like they're like not, not, not even like their ability to do a learned skill, but like their innate qualities, you know, um, especially the mental ones. Um, like, yeah, it's very interesting. It's, and it's, it's such a, and in a way like the mental abilities are almost more important because those are the abilities that happen in between combat. And that's, you know, in a traditional game, that's like maybe like 60, 40 or 70, 30% of the time you're not fighting, you're talking and making deals and investigating and figuring things out. And, you know, mm -hmm. to have a character, you know, to it's, it's that it's a real weird line. It's a, it's a real weird line. And I don't really, uh, I don't know a better way to do it. You know, well, I'll, I can think of a couple ways. Um, mm -hmm. One comes from a game called The Veil, which I kind of adore. Mm -hmm. It has the same basic mechanics as Dungeon World and Monster of the Week, 2d6 plus a stat. Uh, 7 to 9 is like a mixed outcome, etc. Um, mm -hmm. The Veil uses... The stats are emotions. Um, I think it's like joy, sadness anger fear peaceful oh i can't remember the last one but the idea is it's not they're not trying to see like the game is very much like uh the idea is like you're a character who works best when they're calm and that's their peaceful mm. stat and so you want to be rolling peaceful all the time stay calm you know keep it keep it under control or you you actually do really well when you're angry you know interesting um and you suck at doing stuff it doesn't matter how well you're trained at it you just suck at shit when you're sad like you just do like that's who the person is um and the idea the the thing that keeps people from just purely rolling one stat is um every time you roll a stat you mark a tick box and if you kind of overload that stat um everything goes down um oh okay it's uh there was a game uh like that where if you have too much i think it was like some monster hunting game where if you have too much of one stat versus another you like either lose the game or you transform into something like that you don't like or that you don't want to end up transforming into i think it was like a cthulian kind of game where mm. if you have too much it's well. It's it's, it's kind of like I guess in Call of Cthulhu, or if you use too much magic or too much like sanity points to cast spells, you you go insane eventually, and there's a horrible repercussion of, to to that. 
Um, it's, it's kind of like that, right? Yeah, it is kind of like that. Like the idea is like, you just are, you're just so angry. You're just like, you can't, you know, and basically you have to like, there's some things you can do to kind of work your way back down or you're, you're so peaceful that you're just like apathetic. That was really interesting way to do it. I don't think it's perfect. I think it does some things really, really well. And it kind of forces people to role play, even if they don't want to, because you have to be like, well, how are you feeling about this? Um, And they have to give you an answer. Uh, It does require everyone to be play really honestly, though. The other way I can I've seen it done is in games like Blades in the Dark, where stats wise, your stats are skills like you just have skills, basically. Like you don't have a charisma role. You have um, a you might be good at intimidating people and you might or you might be good at like cajoling them into doing stuff. But that doesn't have anything to do with like how likable you are necessarily. It's a trained learned action like everything is learned actions, Uh, though I will say. Blades in the Dark is a great game like the mechanics of it are fantastic you would never know that from looking at the character sheet though genuinely you would never know um because the character sheets and this has just been in every single like it's kind of like um how apocalypse world powers dungeon world and monster of the week and the veil like all these other games blades in the dark uh the basic mechanics of it have bled into all these other great games but every single character sheet on these these games, I've never seen a good one. I just haven't. Um, they cannot seem to figure out how to convey the information cleanly. Uh, ev- and everything is so dense. Um, but at the same time, unlike something like Monster of the Week or Dungeon World, where like most of the information you need to play on for the game is on your character sheet. It doesn't even manage to do that. Hmm. Yeah. That's kind <laughs> of. Yeah. Some, so uh, genuinely, some amazing games are hidden behind these next to impossible to read character sheets. Like last time I ran a game of this, which was a beam saber, which is like a mechs and like, like an Evangelion uh, Gundam style version of this game. I went in and photoshopped out 50% of the character sheet. Because my players had never played it before, and we needed to record a podcast, so I needed them to have just the bare minimum. Your character sheet's so important. Genuine, genuinely, it is. Like, it's so hard to play these games that require a character sheet because there are some games that don't. Right? Like, um, did we ever play Fall of Magic? You and me? No. Okay. Well, Fall of Magic is one of my favorite RPGs, storytelling games of all time. No character sheet. It's just not needed. 80 to 95% role playing. And all the mechanics come from this literal map that they've made for you. So like that's that's one thing. But if you're a game like D&D that needs a character sheet, it has to be good. Because you need your player like you need players to look at it and understand because it's the thing they're going to be looking at the most. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a reference for their entire existence and their entire experience in the game because the mo- often the most intimate, the thing that turns people off the most from D anD D is all the math involved in the first two three hours of making a character, and once you get over that hump of filling out the character sheet, 
the game is quite cake after that point. Genuinely, yeah, yeah, actually. With a good dungeon master that, you know, helps you with the math and, and all that, it can be a pretty great experience for new players. But if you've never played before or you're in a group where no one's played before, trying to fill that character sheet out is a nightmare because it's just a lot of lines and a lot of like, where do things go? Like I haven't really used D and D beyond too much or even like roll 20, you know, as much as I have, even though I've been playing a game on roll 20 for better part of this year. But I, I just found that I thought digital character sheets would be the solution to all of this. But it, while there's some perks to them, like automatic rolling and, you know, automatic leveling and like character, like level up menu screens to help you through that. It's really, it's still like a clunky thing to read. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, and you, even in roll 20, it's like, oh, you, you forgot to turn off this one setting on the character sheet in this one gear menu. No, not that gear, the other gear. And it's like, it's really, it can be real like, oh, right. This real, you know, maze of a way to, change one setting i think one of the reasons why i enjoyed playing second edition DD is because they had a computer program that would do all the math for like what percent you could like lift gates and all that stuff because that was this thing back then you could do Oof, it had yeah. a percentile die and it calculated your thaco which mm -hmm. thaco is a nightmare we could do a whole episode on how horrible thaco is uh Anybody could, yeah. but you know part of what made that experience great was being able to have like you know a tool to help calculate it all i do have like uh i do have a love of um dungeon world's character sheet it's it's a little messier than i'd like it's a little full it's a lot to look at at first but really you just have to fill out like six things and then your character's done and like you said the biggest hump in these games is often that So so uh, there's a game called Kids on Bikes and there's been a hack of it called Kids and Spirits um, where basically the whole mechanic is really, it's really, really good. It's basically, there's a difficulty setting um, like the GM's like difficulty 10 or whatever and your uh, character has uh, six stats which are fight, flight, brains grit heart soul in the case of kids and spirits because that's the one i'm looking at right now and you assign a, a dice to each of them um for ranging from oh where is, it? where is it no not these things there thank you ranging from a d4 to a d20 um so the thing you're best at is the d20 etc all the way down to the worst thing being a, a D4. Um, and so because of the simplicity of the mechanics, uh, there's six things you need to fill out. And then you just get to go into um, your, your motivation and your description and flaws, character strengths, uh, spells and equipment in this case. Like it's like you get to put these numbers in and then you just get to flesh out your character. And it's really easy to it's really easy to to see how it works, um, but I'm not sure how you would do something with the complexity of D and D without a kind of clunky character sheet. That's all. That's ultimately where I'm. I'm kind of like I, we've talked about this for a long time, but creating an RPG system that is not like D and D and not like anything else. 
which is of course like nigh not nigh impossible but there's so many other games that uh, i feel like you know like you and i are in the two different camps of rpg people you know like there's like at a certain point depending on how long you play these games you'll become frustrated with dungeons and dragons and you will try and find a better system and if you're like me you'll give up and you'll just stick with playing dungeons and dragons and just try and dm the crap out of however you want to run the game because to, to make it work the way you work which ultimately has its limits or there's you know the route you go which is you find dozens of little other games that are that provide you the same sort of fulfillment uh but are more experienced based and then i mean i mean I, i guess you could speak to that like what is it like picking up all these other games that you've played so there's two things about it there's two limitations that i can think of right off the top of the bat one you're always teaching people always 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 um because D is such the standard uh like there's a game i love called firebrands um, i i love playing it and i get people to play it with me but I never, I don't really get to go out and be like, hey, does anyone want to play a game of Firebrands with me? And like a bunch of people are like, oh yeah, totally. I know how to play that. Like you never find that, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, what you can do is be like, hey, do you want to play this interesting RPG with me? And you'll probably get like a few people like, yeah, that's not, that sounds fun. And then you have to teach it to them and pitch it and all do all this stuff. The other limitation is they're difficult in a different way. Like D&D has some crunch to it, like crunch in the sense of like numbers and like that sort of thing. There's a level that you can fall back to where like you don't have to arp role play things. You can just be like, I'm going to roll deception, you know, which is great mm-hmm. for a lot of players to just kind of like fall back on. Whereas um, uh, Firebrands, I'll use this example. Uh, no, it's it's mostly role playing with some prompts. You can't just say, I roll a intimidation check. You have to pretend to be intimidating. Dungeon World, for example, you the mechanics are kind of wibbly-wobbly. They're kind of loose. Um, such as, like for example, I, I took a 10th level move um, for my latest level up with this character Aloft I've been playing for a while, and basically all it is is it's like you get a mark of might any intelligent creature mortal creature will understand how powerful you are and treat you with respect um the fuck does that mean what the fuck does that mean <laughs> like on the one hand it does mean a lot like in the story what's gonna happen is uh she's basically the arc i'm taking this character on is like hercules from disney's hercules where it's like I want to become a god and get to the place where I actually belong. Uh, twist is uh, she really does want to go there. It's not like, oh, no, I should stay human. That's not the twist. She really is going to go there. But throughout this whole campaign, she's been uh, developing divine powers. And at this point, it's just spilling out. So like her eyes glow. And it in this case, it's um, like this sign that like more or less she's very very close to being divine and so everybody should like just give her some fucking space um but some of the examples in the move are like cal drogo from game of thrones where it's like that long brady has that like means he's never been defeated um 
it can be that, right? Like it can be all of these different things. And so it takes not a lot more imagination, but a, a certain amount of like hands off. It's not going to tell you exactly what it means. Like if I had taken that move in D&D, what it would have said is like, you get a plus 10 to intimidation, right? That's what it would have meant. A very specific thing. And so these games are so specific. Like D&D just is like fantasy in some ways. And that's awesome. Um, but some of these games are, are, are so, so, so specific um, that they can tell really beautiful stories, but they can only really tell that one story. And so in, in a way, like I know you fall back on D&D. Um, I fall back on Dungeon World. I always come back to it. I, I adore it um, because it, it takes the step away from D&D that I really need, which is like, I really can't be hemmed in by these fucking rules to some extent. Like that's, that's sometimes how I feel with D and D. Um, which is interesting because like, I'm getting this feeling that I'm going to play a D and D campaign soon, like a proper one. And I've been looking at the rules over and over again and it, and it, <laughs> and it feels confining because I'm like, I'm not sure how to really make this my own. If that makes sense. Like it, the rules are so mm -hmm. specific that it's very hard for me to put the flavor I want into it. Um, which is really funny because like, I don't follow these particular shows, Critical Role and, and the Adventure Zone, but they do it. People do it. And I need to remember how to, how to create from confinement. Um, so, but Dungeon World is the thing I come back to all the time. Uh, even though I have like these very bizarre games. Um, I think it comes down to, um, flavor in some ways like i know people who blades in the dark is the thing they come back to over and over again and i know people who um love pathfinder or <laughs> what's the um it's not Spelljammer. um starfinder no, no no it's not starfinder um oh what am i even thinking it's star wars role-playing game what the fuck am I? Even oh thinking? edge of the empire yeah 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 thank you um it's just uh, like depending on what sort of genre and what story you, you come back to, like you and I both love fantasy stories very, very much. Um, and so it's really easy mm -hmm. to be like, no, I'll just come back to this over and over again. But the one other game I've co started coming back to more and more is um, Fall of Magic, actually. Um, just because it's such a beautiful role-playing game like truly a role-playing uh actually the develop what does the developer call call it what is ross ross calls it um 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 a storytelling game and not a not a, not a tabletop rpg i think that's important that whatever you whatever you find you want to do after you've like played D, &D basically because D, D is kind of like the gateway drug right um yeah but it's also kind of like it's it's less that for me and it's more like it's coke like it might be the default soda and maybe that will end up being your favorite and there's no problem with that um but uh there are other sodas and you should try them genuinely you know like there's awesome stuff out there uh yeah it's fucking bizarre though i will say mm -hmm. yeah i mean 
I <sighs> I feel like every time I look to fixing something in D and D, I usually end up fixing? like I I play with a lot of new players a lot mm-hmm. of the time, mm-hmm. and more often than not, I run into just people forgetting the rules. Ah. And when you play with like new players who are also in the same group as like hardcore rules lawyers, there can be a lot of animosity among the players. Mm-hmm. And I don't really like that aspect of the game. I don't really like, I don't really, I, I don't really like that sort of environment. I don't think anybody does. Does it bug uh, you that there might be that some people feel like there's a completely right way to play? Correct. Yes. It completely mm. bugs me because I don't think there is a right way to play any RPG game. Um, like I, I think I more often than not will modify and fudge the rules to serve my players more often than I will to serve the rules of the game. I mean, here's a, here's an example. Um, this is an important moment for both you and me, uh, in arguably the best campaign you and I have ever been in, uh, the one, uh, with the Lich King at the very end, the Lich King had, uh, our friend Ryan's love interest hostage, essentially, um, where he, the Lich had tied his life to hers. Um, and you just fucking killed the Lich King. Yeah, and you just did it like and she died and Ryan was about to get upset with you. And you said, you're a vampire because he was bring her back. There was no mechanic for that. There wasn't. <laughs> there was not a mechanic for that. I it 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 was D and D four e that there just wasn't rules for. There's rules for that in five e and three and and three and three point five, but there, there just isn't in four really. Yeah. But we just let it happen because also like it was just the thing to to do. Like it was fun. It was good, even though there wasn't like a specificity to it. Um. And I'd rather that over um, strict adherence. Like earlier this year, late 2019, I remember having this like itch to play D&D again. Um, And I was like, and I was like, I just, I just want to like roll dice and, and, and math and stuff. And I was like, just trying to kind of like put together like a really crunchy uh, dungeon crawl, which none of the people who I normally play with wanted to do because it's just not our thing. Um, and then, and I just went to the, to the, the, the local game shop, uh, with, with my girlfriend, Gracie, uh, to, to just like, look, I was like, maybe there's like an adventure or something. I was just like trying to figure out how to like play this thing that I wanted to do. Uh, and for the hell of it, because I like supporting the local game stores, I bought a pack of magic cards. Um, and I opened them and I was looking through them. And I was like, Oh, I want to play magic. Like, that's the thing I realized is like. <laughs> I want complicated rules and I want to win at something, um, mm-hmm. which is a different urge than pl- want what I normally want from an RPG. Um, right. Yeah. I, I, yes. Cause an RPG is so it's very immersive. Like magic is intensive. D and D is immersive. And mm-hmm. in magic, there is a defined end goal. And it makes sense to have stringent rules because those rules help you achieve that end goal of that of, story of, of the duel. Playing a game of winning. Yeah, a, a, like exactly. It's, there are rules in that game 
that you can't like cheating at those rules will rob you of the experience. Whereas mm-hmm. um, I find actually strict adherence to the rules, especially on the dungeon masters part in D and D will often rob people of the experience because Correct. sometimes, sometimes you as the dungeon master just crit seven times in a row. It just happens. And then everyone should be dead. But you can lie about that. You can super lie about that. Lie. You should lie about that. Or or sometimes, this is a thing that also happens, is um, you're facing what should be a very tough enemy and you just can't roll well. You should also lie in that case. I don't know if you've ever done this where like, I've been like, wow, the, the, the dragon is yes. just garbage <laughs> right now and they're critting everything. Well... I guess this dragon just has a hundred extra hit points and I just rolled a 20 like, um, you know, because it's like, because that's what the story is and that's what they're expecting. Like that's some one thing that like I remember learning and I was like, Oh, like sometimes I need to be really tough, but in a controlled way, like it would be really disappointing if they just kind of trashed this dragon completely. Like they want to win. Well, well, then they'll win. We've we've done the math. It should work out, but they want it to. They want to work for it. They want to have a good time getting there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think that's the yeah. Because you like a good movie, like a good novel, you know, like a good fairy tale. There has to be some lows, some highs, yeah, and ultimately a beginning and an end. And if that's truly the only thing that makes every RPG the same then how you get there and how you achieve those things is really up to your discretion of the group you're in mm-hmm. um i mean i will say like it's no good if you're like so flimsy with the rules such that mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like there's any consistency um yeah <laughs> but my favorite trick is to when playing in person rip <laughs> my favorite trick is to occasionally remove the dungeon master screen and go okay i'm going to roll now <laughs> yeah just yeah i do like i did remember loving doing that just like i'm just gonna roll this one in the open you know yeah. like because then you, you build that trust right it's like it's it's not always like real right like you're rolling in the open because normally when i do it it's like a critical it's a pivotal moment but if it goes super super well from them it won't ruin this the the tension but if it goes super super poorly for them it won't result in like permanent, permanent consequences, just big consequences either way. Um, yeah. Like I would never do the thing where I'm like, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think I would roll some, someone's like whether or not someone dies out in the open because I might want, I might want to control that. Um, but yeah, take it from me. Don't do that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because then you can't take it back, right? Yep. Um, yep. That happened to me once. <laughs> but I did have a player, and she had a, a a a lover in the game, and like, she's like, "We're gonna have sex now," and I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense. That seems that that's that's what what would happen next logically." She and um, and she's like, "Wait, they're probably not using protection, are they?" And I was like, "I suppose not." Do you want to, I was like, I mean, it's, it's odds, right? <laughs> and like, we kind of came, we kind of came up with what felt about right for odds and she just rolled it. Um, because that one, that one, and I, and I, or she didn't roll, I rolled it. And I was like, 
this one feels fair, right? Like if her character gets pregnant, that's not like, and then she can't play anymore. Um, but it is, it is big enough that we should like, it would be cool if it felt like everybody could see and like, it wasn't arbitrary. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a, it's a real, that's a really good trick. That is a really good trick you brought up. Yeah. The character sheet is supposed to give the players, like you just said, like you said at the very beginning, the the least amount of information they need to know to play the game. So then we can have these experiences where we can maximize the role-playing experience with as little friction as possible. Right. Because the question, the question often that I often ask is whenever I come to a game is like, what's the goal of this? Like with magic, the goal is to play a game and win with D and D it's because there are so many rules. Sometimes it's it. You can, I, I have fallen for this trap and p- many people I've played with and know have fallen for the trap of thinking this is meant to, I can win this somehow. Um, when in reality, that's not what you're doing. The goal of, of tabletop RPGs, if you ask me, is to tell a story collectively. The rules are there to help people along, to guide you. Um, in a sense, you're sitting down to do improv together. And instead of asking the audience for prompts, you are turning to dice. You are turning to rules to take the story in interesting places. Um, And so if you, your character sheet um, should be a place you can turn when you want to do something interesting. And it should help you do that. It shouldn't confuse you. It shouldn't hinder you. Um, It should only help your players do that. Um, And I think... I think the D&D 5e, especially the variant you mentioned, does a pretty good job considering the amount of information that has to be conveyed. I'll, here, I, I'll, I have one thing I want to leave this with. Um, I have a friend, and she's our dungeon master for the game I'm in with this god character. Um, and recently we did a heavy combat session, and she asked me uh, about um some like she was like how did i do and i and i talked to her afterwards like by and large you did really well it was really fun it was satisfying emotionally and narratively um the monsters were tough enough they didn't hit hard enough for like we, we were never in danger because they didn't hit hard enough and i was like here's how you mess with dungeon world to make them hit a little harder uh because there's five tenth level characters it's just tough to hurt them at this point um here's what you do uh and she's like, thanks. And she was like, some of people want to play D&D next for our next campaign. I was like, would you enjoy that? And she's like, I, I don't know. I, I really struggle with combat because I suck at mechanics. And I was like, you don't suck with mechanics. You don't. You, because you see what they're for. Because she's amazing at telling stories and using the mechanics to support her storytelling, to support our storytelling. And I was like, you get what the mechanics are actually about. Just because you're not great at keeping track of a thousand numbers and you're not great at like 
basic arithmetic like and by not great i just mean don't not lightning fast like your brother who is a mathematician like what um like you get something much deeper about what these are for so no you're actually great at mechanics um and that's what a character sheet should be is deep down it's a piece of paper that tell, lets you tell your story and if it gets in the way of that at all it's a garbage character sheet well i think that's all we have time for tonight but this was really good getting out some uh, some much needed dungeons and dragons tabletop rpg character sheet therapy shop talk <laughs> It's just shop talk. Yeah, <laughs> shop talk. Yeah, because I mean, sooner or later, we're going to either run a game, play in a game, or make a game, <laughs> or make a show that features a game, <laughs> in, in your case. Yeah, first. <laughs> <laughs> With that, everybody, thank you for uh, listening to uh, us two old school and new school tabletop RPG players vent about character sheets. You can see what movies I'm watching on Letterboxd at Derek Aiello. And conveniently, I'm also at Derek Aiello everywhere else. That's D-E-R-E-K-A-I-E-L-L-O. Dane, where can we find you and your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dane underscore Fogdahl, and you can listen to my show Diceology, like the science of dice, on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. We hope you had a very wonderful evening, morning, afternoon, lunch break, wherever you've been listening to this. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Catch you later.